Well, good morning. If you would, open your Bibles to John chapter 14. It's certainly been a pleasure to preach these last uh, several Sundays and the other times earlier this year. We've been in a time of transition. Been happy to do that. We're looking forward to Matt taking on the full-time work. He begins tomorrow. So that means that uh, at midnight you can give him a call and give him an official welcome <laughs> to being our full-time minister. His number, it, well, you, you know that. Just kidding. But let's all support him. Uh, I would say that I'm looking forward to working with him, but I can't say that because we've already been working together. And uh, very much looking forward to the things that will be taking place from this point on. So very, very grateful for that. And I know if we just all pull together, work together, it's going to be great. Think for a moment. Let's say you have just become a part of some organization. And, and it, you're a part of it from the ground floor up. And it's something you're very passionate about. You've been one that uh, is really concerned about how this goes. It means a lot to a lot of people. And you have a leader in this group that uh, started all this. And this leader is very passionate. This leader is one that, that is very dynamic. This leader has a very clear goal, a very clear mission statement for all that you're doing. And things are going great. But then at some point you're having a meeting and that leader gets up at the beginning of the meeting and says, I have some bad news for you. My doctor has told me I've got cancer. It's inoperable. I only got just a few weeks to live and I'm going to have to step down and you're going to have to carry this on yourselves. You might feel discouraged about that, wouldn't you? You're discouraged First of all, you, you're about to lose someone that, that you care about, someone that, uh, uh, that you think a lot of, your mentor, someone you love. But also your mind will turn toward the group at some point and you'll think, well, how are we going to carry on without this great leader? That's what the apostles went through. As Jesus was with them the night before his crucifixion and he's preparing them that he's about to die and they still do not understand that. He had been telling them this throughout his ministry, but yet they still were looking for someone that's going to lead them in an earthly kingdom, and, and they still are very confused about this matter. And now he says his time is very short, and he's not going to be with them much longer. And that they got to carry out this work themselves. But with this, as Jesus speaks to them, he gives them words of encouragement. And we find these words beginning in the 14th chapter of John. Let's start with the first six verses. Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. 
Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus starts right here with his apostles as he's wanting to encourage them in the things that they're about to do. And he uses these words, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. And, and he prepares them here in that he's telling them that I'm about to go to a wondrous place. In my Father's house are many mansions. If that wasn't true, I wouldn't tell you this. I'm about to go there, and but one day I'm going to come back and you're going to get to go with me to that place. You'll be, you'll be with me again someday. And he gives them that assurance of that uh, time of being reunited with each other once again. But he uh, tells them that you will come there through me. That's the only way you can get to this place. You must come through me. And he explains more about that as he continues to speak. But this message uh, that we're going to look at this morning is a message to the apostles. It's also a message to us today that even though Jesus has left and gone, He's left us that same mission to deal with this world, to try to bring souls to Christ. But one day we will have that opportunity to be reunited once again. He's preparing a place for us. And where He goes, He's going to come again to receive us if we come through Him. He is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No one can come to God except through Him. I am encouraged by that. We look on down this chapter a little bit. And Jesus also gives us a sign of obedience. He tells us in verse 15 of John 14, If you love me, keep my commandments. Do you love Jesus? Jesus says, If you love him, keep his commandments. Follow the things. There's a little bit more here involved in this than just loving him. This is a love for him. It's a love that trusts Him. It's a love that has faith in everything that He says. Jesus had taught these men many things through a period of about three and a half years. He had given them many commandments along the way. And He says, you've got to trust Me. You know that I care about you. All the things that I've told you comes out of My love for you. All the things I've told you is for your soul's salvation. And they needed to understand this. And he says, if you love me, if you have that trust, keep my commandments. Are we keeping his commandments today? We haven't been with Jesus through this three and a half years in the flesh, but we have his word. The writers Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give us the words of Jesus that he spoke to these men. And we can see these commandments. And we must follow these commandments also if we have that love. Notice he also gives us the promise of the Holy Spirit right here in the next two verses. Verse 16, he says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because, it's neither, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Here we find that, that he identifies this helper 
that's going to come to us. He identifies the helper as the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is going to come and help us deal with a very difficult world. I don't know to what extent that these apostles uh, have a realization of what's about to happen. Jesus is about to die on the cross. Jesus had been persecuted and will be persecuted to His death, but they're going to be persecuted also. They're going to be put into prison. They're going to be threatened. They're going to be whipped and beaten. Their lives are going to be taken from them also at some point in time. And they needed a helper to be strong and to get through the things of this life that they can keep the commandments that Jesus had given them. Not only is this spirit called a helper, if you have the King James Version, he's called the comforter. He's the one that gives the comfort to all that continue to do the will of God. The Holy Spirit will always be with them. But the Holy Spirit is also with us today. And we receive help and comfort also. What do I do when I need help? I need to go to this book. This is a helpful book to us. It tells us how to deal with the stresses of this life. It tells us how to get through the problems that come our way every day. But it's also a book of comfort. When we feel discouraged, when we feel that, that we're not accomplishing anything, when we feel like that we don't have a purpose here, we can go and we can find comfort and realize that we do have a purpose, that there is a need for us to be here, and there are things that we still have to do, that we need to do to make this a better world. We have the promise of the Holy Spirit. In John, the 15th chapter, Jesus begin tells us, begins telling us about the promise of the spiritual nourishment we receive. John 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. We find this matter here of, of Jesus being the vine and we are the branches, and I think we understand that. Even our young people down to a certain age understands that that you have a vine, and I, I'm sure he's thinking about that grapevine. If you've ever been to a grape orchard and, and you see these vines growing and there's branches that come off them, and they bear the fruit, don't they? And Jesus is telling us that he is that vine and we are the branches. That vine gives the, the strength into the branches 
that it can bear the fruit. If that vine, if that branch is not connected to the vine, if, if uh, something had taken place and broken the branch off of the vine, is it going to bear any more fruit? No, it's not. It's going to die. It's going to wither away. And the vine dresser is going to come and, and he's going to take those branches that have been broken off and they're going to be put into the brush pile. They're going to be burned. Sometimes you have branches that's seemingly connected to the vine, but it's not bearing any fruit. It's unprofitable to the vine dresser. So it is, it's cut off, and it, it is taken away to be burned. The branches that are bearing fruit, sometimes they're pruned a bit to help them to be more productive. And so we see this in, in the life of Jesus. He is our vine. We are the branches. We've got to get our spiritual nourishment through Jesus, through no one else. Our nourishment comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who gives us the strength that helps us to know what we are to do in this life. And when we start looking to get that strength from other sources, we're, in, we're going to the wrong places. We're not going to be fruitful in Christ. And so we must be a people that look for the vine, that gain the strength, gain the, the nourishment from the vine, that we can be closer to God. Also in John chapter 15, we see that there's the promise that we gain support from each other. Jesus says in, in verse 12 of 15, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Well, let me first address verse 14. This, this is a restatement of what he says in the earlier chapter. This is a sign of our obedience. If, if we are his friend, we will follow the commandments he has given us. But at the same time, he also talks about that one of his commandments is this, is that we love one another in the same way that Jesus Christ has loved us. If you think about that, that is a tall order, isn't it? How much did Jesus love you? How much does he love you, I should say? Well, he just loves us enough that he gave his life for us. And I feel that I'm not really giving it justice any time I say that statement, that He loved us enough to give His life for us, do we really think back and think about how He gave His life for us? Do we truly understand that, that He did have a choice in the matter? And if He chose the other way, we would all be lost. Jesus loved us. Jesus cares about us enough that He not only just died on the cross for us, but He went through public humiliation. He went through public pain as they mocked Him. They scourged Him. They slapped Him. They spat upon Him. And He went from one trial to another. It was one of those cases where the different government officials, they were trying to pass the book. And they kept passing the book, which was Jesus, back and forth to each other to finally where it got to the point Jesus would be crucified on the cross. And He shed His blood that you and I would have the hope of eternal life. 
That's how much He loved us. That's what He did for us. You know, as, as I read and study the Bible, the hardest passages for me to read are the, the gospel accounts of Jesus suffering on the cross. It's hard to read. It's a hard message to preach. Because when I, when I preach it and when I read it, it, it makes me hurt. I can't stand to think of the thought of someone going through that much torture and that much pain. But yet Jesus did that for us. He loved us. Now we go back to our scripture and it says, this is the commandment, you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than to lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did. He laid down his life for his friends. We are his friends. And we're to, to, to generate that same kind of love toward each other. Oh, there's so many of us in this room here this morning. Some of you I know very well and some of you I, I wish I knew better. But we, we need to have this love toward each other. We need to be there for each other and have that care and that concern. And if it needs be, we would die for each other. We stand up for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have that promise of support. And I know that, that people love me that much. And I'm honored that people think that much that would do those kinds of things. But now as we look at this scripture again, we go over to John 15 and look down at verse 18. We find that there is something here we need to understand, something that just cannot be fixed. Jesus says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the, world, the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates, my, hates me hates my father also. If I had not done, am done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin, but now they have not seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus tells us in this little passage something they already knew. That there were people that hated him. The world hated him. The Pharisees, the, the chief priests, the scribes hated him. They did not like the things that Jesus was doing. They called him a blasphemer. And under the Old Testament law, if, if you go about and, and you're claiming to be something that you're not, you're claiming to be a holy man of God, you're claiming to be God. You're blaspheming God. 
And that was a serious charge that, that, uh, that they would bring against you. It was a charge worthy of death. Jesus tells us in this passage, He says that if I had not come and spoke to them and, and shown them in, in the, uh, that I am the Christ, that I am the Messiah through the prophecies, if I had not been able to do that, then they'd have every right to hate me. They'd have every right to call me a blasphemer. He said again that, that if I had not come and performed these miracles and spoken these words of wisdom to you, they would have every right to hate me. But the prophecy is true. They hated me without a cause. Because Jesus was able to do all the things that the prophet said, and he brought the wisdom of God, and everything that he did was perfect and right in the eyes of God and according to the Scriptures. <coughs> Excuse me. But he says in all this, he says, but if the world hates you, you need to understand something. The world hates you because the world hates Jesus. I don't like to be hated. I don't think you want to be hated. We want everybody to love us. We love friendships. We love acceptance. And as Christians, we will have love and acceptance. We, we have love and acceptance from each other. And there will be people out in the world that will love and accept us also. But we're going to find people that are going to hate us. And Jesus says, you need to remember, they only hate you because they hate Him. He says in verse 21, actually verse 20, that a servant is not greater than his master. You see, Jesus is the master. And if somebody hates the master, they're going to hate the master's family. They're going to hate the master's servants. Are we serving the master? Jesus is telling us if there's people out there not hating us, it may be we're not serving the master. But these apostles were. And we, today, as we serve him, and we do His will, we're going to find opposition. And we're going to find those that oppose us. We're going to find those that hate us. We're going to find those that may even try to do us harm. We've got to stay strong. But He tells us once again in verse 26. He says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of me. Jesus is reminding them once again of the helper or the comforter. He's going to help us through this. He's going to help us to deal with the hatred that we face from this world. He's going to comfort us when we face the hatred that we receive from this world. He's going to testify. As long as we stand, we always have this book here to stand behind to study and to know. We talked about this in, in, to some extent and actually have done uh, several times in our Sunday morning Bible class in the way that we conduct ourselves as husbands and wives and the different Christian attitudes that we are to have. This morning we talked about disciplining our children and how the world now says we can't discipline them in the way that the Bible teaches us. 
Sammy, we ran out of time, but I was wanting to make the comment at the end. We looked at several scriptures from Proverbs that talked about discipline our children. One other scripture we might add to that, and really it's out of context, but I believe it applies, is when Peter said we ought to obey God rather than man. We as Christians need to understand that the world may tell us to do things in a different way, but we have a scripture, we have the word of God that we are to follow. And we need to stay true to it and not let the Word dictate what we're going to do. Jesus also says to His apostles that He gave them the promise that we will overcome. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus is preparing them. He's preparing them from the things that are about to, that they're about to face. He's saying I'm, I, all the things that he says in these three chapters is being spoken to them that they may understand that they can overcome the tribulations that they're about to face. He says, I'm saying these things that you can have this inner peace within yourself that you can overcome the things of the world. He says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, our life as Christians and how we, our dealings with the world is, is something kind of like this. It's like the old children's game, Red Rover. Do you all know about Red Rover? Do you ever play Red Rover? You know the game? Okay. You know, and, that, and that's what we have. We're, we're here as Christians. This is our line. And the world is out there in another line, and they're calling for us to come over. And when we come over, they want to lock us in, and they want to keep us. And yet we're over here, we'll say, all right, you come over here. And when they come, we want to lock them in. We want to bring them to the light of God. The world is going to give us trouble. And if, if they call us over and we go over and they lock us in and, and they, they get a grip on us, we're going to find that we're going to be dealing with a different kind of tribulation. We're going to find that we're dealing with the tribulations that worldly people deal with every day of their lives. It's not all fun and games. So we need to understand Jesus was able to overcome the world. Even though they did get to the point that they whipped Him and they scourged Him and they mocked Him, humiliated Him, spitting on Him and putting Him on the cross. You remember one of the words that He spoke while He was dying on the cross was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I'm sure when he said that, that had the devil on the run. Maybe the devil thought, right here, he's going to say something, he's going to break, he's going to, oh, he's going to come down off that cross, he can do it. But instead he says, Father, forgive them. And whatever troubles we go through cannot be near of what Jesus endured in his final days. We must make a choice 
we must choose a side. Our leader is already in heaven. He's preparing places for us if we can endure to the end. If we love Him, we'll keep, our command, keep His commandments and we'll follow everything that He has given to us and we can have that home someday. Would you like to be a part of that kingdom? If you'd like to be a part of that kingdom, I want to encourage you this morning to do what's right. You believe that Jesus is God's Son. You believe the message that was brought to you this morning. You're ready to repent of your sins. You want to live for Jesus. You want to follow His commandments. All that's left is you need to confess that Jesus is God's Son. Be buried with Him in baptism for the remission of your sins. You can do that. Live faithful unto death. He, he promises a crown of life. And we're ready to assist you with that if you have that need this morning. If you have it, please come as we stand and sing.